You're listening to Thrive Beyond Size, episode 117. Welcome to Thrive Beyond Size, the podcast that's all about finding health, joy, and liberation beyond weight. If you're ready to break free from diet culture and embrace a lifestyle that celebrates your body regardless of your size, you're in the right place. Here's your host, health and wellness coach, Dr. Michelle Tubman. Well, hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. I am very excited to bring you another interview today. It's been a little while since we've had one of these. And since I've done this pivot from the old Mindful Weight Loss podcast into the Thrive Beyond Size podcast, I have been struggling to find guests that really embrace and embody the concepts that I wish to embrace and embody inside the new direction this podcast is taking. And today I had a discussion with Amanda Mittman, who perfectly embodies all of these things. I found her such an inspiration to talk to, and I think you will too. Amanda is a registered dietitian nutritionist, a certified intuitive eating counselor, and a body image coach. In addition to owning a group private practice of registered dietitians supporting people with disordered eating and eating disorders, she also teaches other providers how to incorporate body image counseling skills into their practice. She has worked with hundreds of clients in her career, and what she knows is that people, especially women, feel so much shame around their body. And nobody is talking about this. Whether the client is in college, just had a baby, or is experiencing perimenopause or menopause, the conversation around the distress of a changing body is very similar. It is her mission for people to talk about this topic without shame, guilt, or a sense of failure, and to understand the systemic forces that cause us to feel the way we do about our body. Amanda and I have amazing conversation about all of this, and I cannot wait for you to hear it. So without any further delay, here is the interview with Amanda. Amanda, welcome to the Thrive Beyond Size podcast. I am super excited to have you here. Now, you and I had a few minutes to chat before we even hit record on on all of the equipment. And I am so excited for the conversation that's going to start already. But before we dive into the nitty gritty juicy details, um, can you introduce us to yourself? Well, thank you so much for having me. And I know you said we should have pressed record five minutes ago because we were having (laughs) a a juicy conversation, but we'll let everybody into what we we were chatting about. So I'm Amanda Mittman and I am a registered dietitian nutritionist. I live in Western Massachusetts, so about an hour and a half outside of Boston. And I own a group practice of registered dietitians in the area, and we specialize in eating disorders, disordered eating, body image, health at every size, um, and intuitive eating. And so um, I do that. It's like one hat. I like to wear a lot of different hats. I think you're like that too. We like to do a Mm -hmm. lot of different things. So, So I have my group practice. And then I also um, run Bitchin' Body Image RD, which is is just me, and I coach other dietitians how to incorporate body image counseling skills into their practice. Um, Because we're not taught how to talk about body image, and it's a conversation that all of us need to be having. So that's my other passion. And then I also teach at um, a local university. I teach intro to nutrition, which is really fun, really uh, sweet. You, so you yeah. are a busy woman. I can, <laughs> I can definitely relate to that. And just to catch the listeners up to speed, Amanda, what you and I were talking about before we hit record was how we both evolved into the roles that we are in now in terms of the um, weight neutrality, the health at every size, um, sort of the anti-diet sort of piece of it. And I'm asking this because I, I also work with local dietitians in my coaching programs as well, who describe the exact same journey. So when you are in training as a dietitian, what do you learn in terms of weight and weight management? Yes. Well, I can tell you, especially because as I teach, you know, nutrition to college students, we're learning, they're learning the same thing that I learned when I became a dietitian. And what we learn about basically the, the, the moral of the story of the textbook is uh, don't be too fat, don't eat unhealthy foods, but also don't get an eating disorder. So, you know, <laughs> either of those are not good for you. And so it's super 
complicated. Um, dietitians are not taught about eating disorders. We're not taught about disordered eating. We're not taught about weight inclusivity. Um, we are taught how to we really, I think the message we're given is how to fix people. Uh, so a client comes to you, they're a problem. Our job as a dietitian is to fix them through food, nutrition, things like that. We get like one little class on motivational interviewing, yippee. Um, and then like we're sent off into the world and we're like, what, what am I doing? And so I was a weight loss dietitian because that's what I was trained to do. Meanwhile, I had my own disordered eating kind of happening in the background. But that's how most people start, I think. I think now maybe changing a little bit because of social media and health at every size and um, you know, a lot of other social justice movements have been helpful, but no, we're still learning how to be weight loss dietitians and fix people. Yes. And that is exactly what I've learned in the medical model as well. I'm sure. Except yep. unfortunately, I don't see things changing quite yet inside medicine. Health at every size is definitely not mainstream yet it should be but this this is what the challenge i think for all of us is is that those of us who work as professionals in in this area are trained that weight is a problem and weight loss is the solution and yet there are many dietitians and physicians like you and i who have now pivoted into this space where we're much more concerned about the harms that those interventions are causing and taking a more anti-diet weight inclusive or weight neutral approach to caring for patients. And so I'd love to hear your story of how you went from that dietitian focusing on weight loss into running these two, you know, very amazing businesses that you have now. Yeah. And I'm sure um, it sounds familiar to your story as well, working with people and doing weight loss where you know, when I started out as a dietitian uh, and I had some clients, you know, we would be doing your typical weight loss stuff and like maybe they'd lose weight in the beginning, but then they'd come back and they're like, but I can't keep it off or I'm not losing weight. And they, they would think that they were the problem. But the common denominator in all of that was me, right? Like I was the one giving the advice. And, you know, it, I, I will say that being a, a weight loss dietitian also really fueled the fire of my own disordered eating. Right. I was very, there was, there was a very high on my horse of, I've lost weight. Like, I know how to do it. I'm better. Right. Like, there was this morality that I for sure felt. Um, and then when I started to realize, like, wait, this isn't working for other people, it almost gave me the permission to take a look at myself and say, Are you sure this is like what you want? Like, are you sure that this is working? And around that time, I started, um, I picked up intuitive eating the book. Um, or actually reread it and that started to stick and I'm like, oh, okay, I think I need to really work on my own relationship with my body and food. And through that healing came eventually the work that I do now. And I did have a lot of shame around being a weight loss dietitian until I realized that everybody who is a weight inclusive provider, more or less, I would say 99.9% .9 of us started off in weight loss and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it was exactly the same story for me. And I, I was telling you this story um, earlier, Amanda, that I would be sitting in my classes as I was preparing to write my board exams to be an obesity specialist. And I would listen to them cite studies of how diets don't work and the statistics in, in regards to how many people drop out of studies because it's either not working or they can't stick to it. And then how ineffective, at least over the long term, any of the interventions are, along with some of the harms that happen from a psychosocial and a, you know, a, a medical perspective when we ask people to restrict um, calories and, and things like this. And so I would listen to all of this evidence explained to me so passionately and then at the end of the lectures would always be but of course we still have to counsel patients to lose weight we're just going to focus on using different language so that 
you know, we're, we're not talking about weight, but still what we're trying to do is, is get patients to, um, to lose weight. And that never made sense to me. It just never made sense how they could give all this evidence of how it doesn't work and that it actually causes harm. And that yet we're going to go prescribe weight loss in some way or another to patients anyway. And blame them when it doesn't work, call them lazy or unmotivated. Yeah, absolutely. And I was reading a book recently and I can't for the life of me remember what it was, but the, the author said something like this. It's like, where else in medicine would we prescribe something that has like a 2% success rate and then blame the patient when it doesn't work? Right. And yet this is what we do when we are prescribing weight loss as physicians or or as dietitians. Um, as anybody, right. To, to patients. Yes. And then I think when we as practitioners have our own disordered eating in the background of all of this, it gets a little bit muddled, you know, muddled. And I'm quite honest in saying that the whole reason why I even signed up to get board certified in obesity medicine was to solve my own problems, right? I thought like, I I believe in medicine. Medicine is going to give me the answer to this and I'm going to figure it out. And I like my core was shook by the time I was 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 finished because I did not find my answers. In fact, I found I found that what I was doing was actually hurting me more. And, and that was your answer. I, and that and that was yeah. my answer, right? Yeah, and it wasn't the answer. Yeah, you were looking exactly, for right. Yeah. Um, and that's when I started turning um, towards learning more about intuitive eating and health at every size um, as well. So my my journey was was very very similar. And then throughout all of that is was also me um, struggling with my own body image and how that fit in to all of it. Because ironically, I never felt uncomfortable being a weight loss coach because I knew that. I could relate to the struggles and um, the challenges women were having because I've I've been there. I've tried it all, you know. <laughs> I've been there and I, and I know, right? And so I felt confident there, but I never felt confident being um, a physician in a bigger body. And I do struggle a little bit with being a weight inclusive coach. Um, in a bigger body, because I'm telling myself that people are going to think I'm doing this as a way to defend me being in a bigger body, right? And and that that's absolutely not the case. And I don't feel that way anymore. But my 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 own relationship to my body has also evolved as I've gone through this this whole process. Absolutely, yeah. This is like university, right? When we start to change our mindset. And it's like life, life university. And what I tell the dietitians that I work with is that you don't have to have your own body image stuff figured out in order to work with other people and helping them with their own body image, because you get it. We, we get it. And I think if we all waited to the moment that we felt perfectly fine about our bodies in order to help other people, we never get there because we never feel perfectly fine. Right. And then we can say to our clients, like, there isn't this rainbow. There isn't a cap and gown. There is no marathon to run. And at the end, you get it, you know, you graduate and like, wow, you, you love your body now. It, it's not that right. That's not what body image and, um, you know, um, positive body image really is. And so I'm so glad that, that, that you've been able to kind of still continue this work and also your own, your own stuff too. But I want to tell you a very kind of funny story that you were saying about your body and, you know, who am I to be doing this work? So when I decided to become a private practice dietitian, um, I was with my dad and he was like, oh, I'm so proud of you that you're doing this work. And, and I can say this because he's not going to listen to this. Um, but like I said, he said, um, he's like, don't take this the wrong way. But no offense, Amanda, but do you think that people are going to want to work with you? Because no offense, you're not like fit. And, you know, I think had I been in another stage of my life, I would have been like, oh my God, like, wait, I don't look thin. Like what's wrong? I, you know, I'm very, you know, at peace with my body, but I said to my dad, I was like, well, it's a good thing that I don't want to work with those people, right? It's a good thing that the people that I want to work with are going to feel comfortable working with someone. I mean, I certainly have privilege, um, a lot of size privilege, um, but also I'm, I'm not a straight size person. So I, I think 
people are going to want to work with me because they want to work with someone that reflects who, who they are. And, yeah, you know, so, yeah. you know, thanks dad. But <laughs> <laughs> he was saying yeah. it out of place of wanting to protect you, however misguided it was, but yeah, I know. I love yeah. my dad. I yeah. love my dad. But I was like, well, I don't think you understand what I do for a living, you know? So like, that's fine. Like I said, well, it's a good thing. I don't do weight loss. So, you know, yeah, um, right. yeah. Well, and yeah. it's, it's also very reflective of how pervasive this idea is in our society um, and, and how much emphasis is placed on being thin, either in terms of being, you know, categorized as beautiful, but also healthy and of the body size one should be to be teaching other people about things. And, you know, I... I, I agree with you. People need a safe space to land when they want to work with somebody on issues related to their relationship with food or their body. And looking like a normal, average North American woman is, is probably important in these spaces. I think, I mean, I think so. And I say to people, and I say this like right on my website, you know, like this is you know, people might view my, whoever wants to view my body, you know, I'm, I'm in my forties, I'm in perimenopause, like fun, fun, fun. Um, things are shifting around like every day. Um, but you know, this is my healed body because like when I was in my twenties, I was in a much smaller body, but whoa, my mental health was pretty poor. I mean, it was not good. Right. Cause I, it was very distressing to be in my body. So now I live in a body that probably my younger self would have always feared right? Like, oh my God, how, how could you even live life? Um, but I'm like doing more stuff than I've ever done because I'm not so, I'm not so obsessed with staying small. Yeah. And you know, one, one thing I noticed about myself and about people I work with as well is just how much time and energy is spent worrying about how do I look? Um, how am I going to eat? What's going to be the effect of this meal on my body? What is this outfit going to make me look like? What are other people thinking about my body when they look at me? Should I actually really be doing this in, 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 in this body? Like just like the, the energy it takes to be constantly devaluating yourself really um, absolutely, absolutely exhausting. And, you know, when I was I want to say mid twenties, I was, you know, much smaller than I am now, but I felt that I was, you know, huge and was terrified of wearing bathing suits. And it never stopped me from, you know, going to the beach or going on vacations, but I would wear like shorts and a t-shirt into the water. I wouldn't wear uh, right, a, a, a bathing suit. And I couldn't care less. I just did a photo shoot in my bathing suit, um, you know, for, for, for Pete's sake. And it was empowering for me. And it really, for me, was was really working on allowing myself to feel at home in my body and not defining myself based on what what my body looks like. And like you, I'm also perimenopausal and experiencing all the things. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, I know you just have to laugh. I know that you're laughing. Like, I just, I, like, I don't even know what to do. <laughs> you, you don't even know what to say, but, but I mean, the point is I'm completely able to just roll with the punches of whatever surprise is going to happen today um, with, with, with my body. But if I had to go through menopause, you know, a few years ago um, with the relationship I had with my body, then I think it would have been an absolute nightmare for me. Agreed. I, and, I hear you. I hear yeah, you. I hear yeah. you. And, you know, I think, and I'm sure you say this to your clients too, is that, you know, if, if anyone's listening and they're like, but I'm the person that like, can't stop thinking about my body, or I'm the person that like, doesn't go to the beach or puts on the bathing suit. What I always like to remind people is it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Like you were literally fed diet culture, BS and patriarchy, but like from the moment that you were born and we've just been filling up and up with thoughts and ideas and, and meaning that we've made from experiences um, over our lives. And like, here we are as adults. And like, of course you hate your body. Of course you don't want to be, and of course you're concerned with what people think about you. Not, not your fault. And I would say like, if you were given a choice of 
not caring versus caring. Like, what would you pick? And nobody ever says, I would pick, like, I want to feel miserable. Like, so it's not your, it's not your fault. Like you haven't done anything wrong you haven't failed. And that just, you know, gives, I think gives people hope that like, if it wasn't really given to you, like now we can start to maybe like pick apart and like, what are your values? Like, what do you want in life? Like, are you ready to give up some of these thoughts that you've been carrying around some of these beliefs? Like maybe that belong to your mother and not you, right? Maybe that belong to a TV show that you saw or a doctor, right? That yeah, for sure. So yeah, it's, it's, we're swimming in this like toxic soup. We are. And either, yeah. Yeah. Even when we change our mindset to more of a weight inclusive place, like we're still in diet culture land. We're still in diet culture. And, and, and I think one of the biggest challenges is we are so immersed in diet culture and we have been since we were small children that we internalize these messages that we hear and it feels like ours, right? It, it feels like ours. And I like to emphasize that these ideas were never ours to begin with. They, they were they were never ours. They were given to us when we were small children, mm-hmm. unable mm-hmm. yet to make decisions about what we want to take in and what we want to want to leave behind. And so of course, this is how you're going to feel about your body right now. Of course, this is this is where you're going to be. And 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 I think the power comes from um, exactly like what you said is deciding that I'm ready to let go of some of that right now. And then we can start to see some awareness of where these messages are actually coming from. And then we can start to decide, like you know, no, I'm I don't I don't have to believe that. I don't have to believe that about my body, and I don't have to believe it about anybody else's body either. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Because I think what a lot of people say, I'm like, do you think that about like if this is your best friend that we were talking about? Oh, no, I don't think like, no, I would never think that I would never say that about my best friend. I'm like, yeah, you know, we're what what makes you so special? What makes you so different? You know, why is your body so different than your friends? Like, why are you the special case? Um, So yeah, it's it's really interesting. And I I hear what you're saying about the process of starting to examine these thoughts and beliefs that we have about our body. It takes time this is like a long process. And so what we find or what I find a lot of, and I'm sure you do too, is people are straddling the fence of like one foot and like, I'm not ready to give up this dream of weight loss because this is what I've always known. And that's really understandable. And then also like, but I see what could be possible. And that feels really amazing, but now I'm stuck. And so straddling this fence is so normal and I think that sometimes as providers, we think, oh, well, we got to push them to our side. Like we got to, we got to get everybody to, it's like, no, 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 no. Like we meet you where you're at. Like, it's cool. Like if you decide you want to keep losing weight, like, great. Like, no, you're never going to get any judgment from me, but being in that place of like, I'm not sure what I want to do. I was there for a really long time mm-hmm. because yeah. it is scary. And so like, that's normal yeah. for anybody listening. Who's like there, it's normal. Well, and I think there, you need to allow some sort of grief process to happen in all of this as well. And I, maybe you can relate to this too, but weight loss was the focus in my life for not even years, decades. Uh-huh. Yep. And yep. It's like this, this was the goal. And it's like, if I'm not pursuing weight loss, then who the hell am I? Right. It's like, what, 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 what do I do? And so for me, it was two pieces. It was like really getting honest about what I thought the weight loss would actually bring me. And really asking myself questions about whether or not weight loss was the only way to get me there. Right. And, and of course I came to the conclusion that it wasn't. Um, and, and I had lots of feelings around that. I, like I was angry for a long time, right. That I had the blinders on um, because of those messages from diet culture, you know, having me focus on the weight loss for so long that I didn't see there was any other way through it. But then there was also this piece of, I got sense of accomplishment when I lost a little bit of weight. I thought that if I were at least trying to lose weight, then, you know, my, my family doctor would respect me for, you know, trying. And like, I, I felt that as long as I were at least trying, then I could still fit in, you know, somehow. And so if I'm going to stop trying now, if I'm going to let 
that piece go? You know, who, who am I? And so I kind of had to grieve a whole piece of myself um, before I could, you know, move on to this, this, this next journey. Um, and that part was not easy. And like, I think like that, that part was even harder than, than the rest of it, right? Oof, the grief. I'm so glad you brought that up because nobody talks, the grief isn't like a sexy thing to talk about or a fun thing to talk about when it comes to like, you know, this sort of stuff. Um, but it's so important. And and I, I just want to echo the, the grief, the personal grief that I have had with one, uh, as my recovered body is a large, you know, a larger body than I ever, you know, kind of envisioned for myself that my body continues to change as I go through hormonal shifts, the grief of, oh my gosh, I lost decades to dieting. In fact, my, I became a dietitian because I dieted. I mean, my whole career, like was like my, it's a second career for me, but like was started because of that. And like, there's also questions that, and I, I hear a lot from clients of if I never dieted at all, like, cause we know that every, every dieting attempt often, you know, that when we go up and down and the yo-yo dieting, the weight cycling really often leads to a different set point. Right. So it's like, if I never dieted in the first place, would this be the size of like, so there's so much. And my, um, my mentor, Brie Campos, she's body image with Brie. She's like my, she's my everything. Um, she calls this sitting in the suck, sitting in the suck. And this is what, and I, and I know you do it with your clients of like, I do, and you do it with yourself as, as do I of in order to really start to heal our relationship with our body, we have to sit in this place of, oh my gosh, this feels really bad. This feels really heavy because what typically happens is every time we get to this place, because we're, we're so used to, oh, I feel bad about my body. I'm going to diet. I'm going to fix it. I know what I can do on Monday. I'm going to start the diet. I mean, that's what I did. That's what we both did for years and years and years. But then when we remove that, right, we're not having that like ricochet thought of, okay, well now I'm going to go diet. Now it's like, oh, I feel really like uncomfortable in my body. Wow. I, like I, can't bend over and tie my shoe or like that feels really hard and I'm not going to do anything to change it. Oof, that feels really heavy. That feels really hard. And I think it's, we, I think as Americans aren't taught how to sit in, in grief and in discomfort. And that's what part of the work is, is sitting in the suck of this is my body. This is my here and now body. Yeah. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And I think there's also this perception out there that we can just decide to love our bodies and that's going to be nice and I mean yeah but it's so far from true yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) right I know and I love the way the intuitive eating principle talks about it as body respect because I think that's where a lot of this has to come from and one of the questions that really really helped me when I was going through this this process still am I still use this question is it's it's what would I decide for myself or what would I do for myself right now if like the size or shape of my body was just not an issue if 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 like there was no sizeism if there was no thin privilege if none of that um existed and my the size of my body had as much emotion attached to it as my height or my hair color or or whatnot like what what would i choose to do for myself and that answer is almost always different than what i have been doing for myself over the past decades which um is heartbreaking in a lot of ways but also liberating for me right now because what has happened by by me asking myself that question and allowing myself to make decisions from that point of view is i feel so much better in in my body and i'm making decisions that um are really allowing me to feel in the moment <laughs> who who I really want to be. And it's changed the way I eat. It's changed the way I move my body. It's changed the way I dress. It's even changed what I see when, when I look in the mirror. And I think it's because that question has allowed me to, I don't, I'm not in a place of body love yet. So I have moments, I have moments where it's there, but I certainly um, respect my body and 
have gratitude um, for what it's able to do, even during this perimenopause crap, you know, <laughs> going on, I'm, I'm, I'm able to, to embrace that. And so that was a really powerful um, question for me. And it, and it kind of allowed me to separate myself from um, a lot of the diet rules and the diet culture yeah. that still are trying to hold on for me. One of the things that you, um, you, you know, you talked about was about body love. And if, if, can I just, can I chat about like love? Um, please do. For, yes. for body? Please do. So, you know, for, for me and, and I, I don't, we are taught by, you know, body positivity or BOPO as we know it, right? Is that we need to love your bodies, right? Dove, all those ads, right? Love your body, which is great. If you can get the body love, I think that's excellent. But I think generally most people cannot get there. We can get to moments of, right? I have moments of like, yeah, I'm like digging it, like whatever. I think the concept of body love can be really, really challenging. And so you use the word respect, right? Um, body respect, body kindness. If we change the goal to be, how do we just respect our bodies? How do we be kind to our bodies? How do we cooperate with our body? Whatever word, you know, like feels good for you. Then that opens it up to exactly what you were saying of, well, I might not love the way my body is looking, but I can access feeding it. Maybe perhaps you could access stretching or movement, like whatever feels good for you, but you don't have to love your body. That doesn't have to be the goal. It's great if it pops in there, but I think when people know, like, you don't, you can, you don't ever have to like, love it. Like you're, you're good. People's shoulders like drop and they're like, Oh, I'm like, yeah, let's talk about like how we can like form a new relationship with your body. What would be the kind thing to do? What would be the nourishing thing to do? Like all the things that you, you spoke about, um, that is, that is really how we foster like great body image. Exactly. And, and at least start by not looking at your body as a problem that needs to be fixed. You know, that's so hard to do. <laughs> it's so hard to do because all we're told literally is that yeah. it's a problem. But, but yes. you, yeah. you know what else I find helpful? And I've I've spoken about this before on the podcast is I and I read this years ago. I started practicing this and I look for something beautiful in every single woman I see. And so rather than what I used to do is I would either look at women with envy right? It's like, if only I could have that body, or I would look at women and say, well, at least I don't look like that. And, you know, be, be judgmental in one direction or the other. And, you know, at, at some point I pivoted and, and started intentionally looking for something beautiful in every body that I came across. And it wasn't something I could do for myself, but I could do it for, for other women. And so I still silently do this. Like every time I see someone, I will compliment, you know, something, something about their body, just, just within, within my own mind. And what that has accomplished for me is kind of normalized bodies because I, I, I don't have the envy um, anymore. And I, I'm not, I'm not being judgmental. It's really allowed me to actually like truly appreciate the diversity out there and understand that, um, even if I can't necessarily see it right now, there is beauty in my body, in my body too, because I see it in literally every other body Everybody else. Um, out there. Yeah. I love that. And what makes you so different, right? Like what, what are you, why are you the, the exception that doesn't have the beauty when you can see it in literally everybody else, right? Ex exactly. It's really hard. And just to, to circle back to the weight loss issue and how, and, and, you know, this is still something that I struggle with a little bit. So I, um, I have a small membership in addition to like the, the, the private and the small group coaching, um, that I do, which was really just formed for women who I had coached previously to have community, you know, with, with, with each other. And so all they knew of me was, was weight loss. And, when I made the decision that I'm not going to do that anymore, you know, I, I got on a call with them all and I said, well, listen, here is, here is where we're going. And this is what the focus is going to be. These are our guiding principles now um, moving forward. How do you feel? If this doesn't resonate by all means, like I will refund whatever you've paid by all yeah. means. And every single one of them, you know, chose to stay. And, oh, I and love that. but but the number one question was, 
but what if I still want to lose weight? And, you know, like, you know, like I said, of course, it makes sense that you want to lose weight. But how do I, as a practitioner, um, talk about um, the weight loss piece? Um, because, you know, you know, when, when we talk about principles of intuitive eating, and I'm just in the process right now of becoming an intuitive eating um, counselor. Um, and so maybe, maybe as I finish all the, the talks I have to go to and stuff, I'll, I'll have some more clarity. But it's, it's like how, how do I teach those principles? And how do I, you know, teach health at every size um, without acknowledging the weight loss piece, like the desire that that people have? And how can I respect that that's where they're at? while also telling them that going on another diet is actually going to hurt you, you know, and, and here are the reasons why without giving them some other solution um, to the weight loss piece. And, 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 you know, I think we've talked in higher level terms of, about all of that in the half hour you and I have been talking here, but when it comes to like practically having conversations with, with people about this, um, like it's, it's hard. It's really hard. And, you know, I love intuitive eating, you know, obviously we both do. There's some wonderful pieces at that. Um, you know, intuitive eating, what they say is, you know, put weight loss on the back burner. Mm -hmm. I'm going to call BS on that mm -hmm. because it's impossible to put weight loss, like the desire, right? The desire, put your desire for weight loss yeah. on the back burner. It's impossible. I mean, I know I I'm, you know, in a, in a, in a great place, you know, with my relationship, my body, but like, there are definitely times where I would love to lose weight. I mean, it's not available to me, but like I'm a human being in diet culture land, just like everybody else. So when they say, you know, put your desire for weight loss on the back burner, I, I kind of say, you don't have to do that. What, what I kind of liken it to is I want to talk about your desire for weight loss. It, mm -hmm. it, it can be there, but what the work together is, is how do we also add on like how to nourish your body with food? what is gentle, enjoyable movement? What is, you know, enjoyable movement look yeah. like? What yeah. does self-care, what is body image? And so we're starting to build up around it. So we're not just solely focused on weight loss. Now weight loss or the desire for weight loss is just one of many other things. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. I usually do this demo with like pens and things like that. But, um, but I think people, I want to talk about the desire for weight loss because it's just, not possible to like have the histories that we do as women and not desire weight loss and to be yes. told like oh yeah just put that off to the side people are like what heck no I'm not going to do that so like let I we talk about it we let's bring it to the table let's yeah we know that it's still there and there's nothing to be ashamed of well and and I think that's the piece right there is that we shouldn't be ashamed of it if we still want to lose weight and that it needs to be on the table we need to be talking about it and addressing it. And it's like, I was on somebody's Instagram account recently, who they had made this post of like, listen, there is absolutely no talk about weight loss on, on this account. And if you don't like that, then you can just leave. Right. And, and I was really offended, you know, re reading that because how, how can we possibly um, put it on the back burner if, if we can't even, um, talk about it and acknowledge that it's there um, to begin with. But, you know, it, it weight loss is not a goal for me anymore. It really, truly isn't. But if somebody were to say, like, if I could just wave a wand and, you know, you could be um, in a smaller body, would I, would I take that? Yeah, you know, I probably would um, for, for lots of different reasons. But, but I've also accepted the fact that, what it costs me to try to lose weight is too much for me right now. And I'm not willing, I'm not willing to pay that price. And so I've accepted that this is, this is the decision that I've made. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to be here now. And, you know, I, I think that my goal is to bring people um, to a place where they just feel some peace around whatever, whatever decision, yeah. decision they exactly. Decide. Whatever decision. And, 
you know, I, I remember like even getting to the point when I was younger and I read the intuitive eating book, I'm like, this is great. Like, I love this. And I was like, yep, not for me. I'm going to keep dieting. Right. And like, yeah, we're I, allowed, exactly the same thing. Yeah. Did I, you? I, I, like, I picked it up thing. in the 90s, yeah. you know, like the late 90s. I was like, this is embarrassing. And then right. I was like, yeah, you know, no, I, you know, I wasn't ready for it. And people are going to have their journeys. And I work with people who are like, yeah, you're really nice. And I really like you, but like, I want to lose weight. And then they might go try and lose weight. And it's great. And I never get upset. And then they might come back to me and be like, can I still work with you? Because that didn't really work. And it, 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 like you said, it costs too much. Like what is the, what is the cost to you? It's time, it's money. Um, it's, it's brain space. It's, it's free, it, it, whatever it is to you. I think that's the, that's kind of the judgment call that each individual has to make. And I think as we get older, especially as women, especially as like, like I ain't got time for like I just I'm too tired I can't do it anymore and I have to say Amanda I partially thank the perimenopause stuff for this because it's you know I am choosing to look at this transition as me coming into like the 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 golden part of my life like the the part of my life where I just want to enjoy what I have and um, you know, to, to, to be present in my marriage and to um, make decisions that are just going to allow me to enjoy the latter half of my life. And there is just no place for dieting in there for me. And, and like there, there, there just isn't. And I think part of what allowed me to make this decision fairly easily, once I decided to sit down and and truly make the decision was all of the education that I had over recent years to bring me to this point. And, and I say that because there are, there's two things that are important to me as a physician when I am discussing things with patients. One is informed consent, and the second is shared decision-making, right? And and I, and I think part of that informed consent piece is actually educating people that there are harms to dieting and that diet culture is a thing that is very real and is, is informing some of the decisions that you're making for yourself from a place of misinformation and sometimes manipulation on the part of either pharmaceutical companies or you know, big food um, industry or, or, or whatever it is. And, and so I think, you know, if, if I do my job correctly and describe and educate and open people's eyes up to what is really happening out there, and then we can have a discussion of, okay, now, now that you know all this, and now that you've become aware of how um, dieting or, attempts to shrink your body in whatever way are showing up in your life and how it's affecting you. Now that we have all of this information, you can decide now, you know, what, what, what you want to do next. And, and I think, I think that is more important to me than whatever decision um, people make at, at the end of the day. But I think that informed peace <laughs> needs to be there. And no matter which camp we fall in, if we're, you know, working with weight loss or working with health at every size or body positivity people, we have to um, allow that space to be there for people to make the decisions that they want to for themselves, but it needs to be informed. It needs to be informed. That's yes. The, the information is crucial. And it's like Mm -hmm. you said, we're just not getting that from, you know, most providers, especially medical providers. And so because they don't know, right. And I mean, that that's one of my goals is to, you know, educate my colleagues. And, you know, if, if I can even just open a few eyes and like what I'm always reminding my clients when I'm teaching them how to be patients with their physicians and how to advocate for themselves, you know, reminding them that physicians and dietitians are educated in the same diet culture that we all grow up in. Um, and, you know, the, the medical establishments are not immune from all of this stuff. So, Oh, it's hard to be a patient. Yes, it is. It's, it's hard to, and it's hard to advocate, you know, yeah. and supporting people through doing that is, you know, we do that all the time. So often we do that and help people advocate at the doctors or with any other providers. Um, it's, it's, it's very emotional and very challenging because there's also a power differential, especially at the doctors, you know, 
there there is a, and and I don't think people give enough respect to that um piece of it as well like I I um from a provider perspective I mean right. like I don't right. think sure, sure. are always aware um that that's that that's happening and if we are not consciously making the decision to educate patients in a very transparent way like Amanda I can't tell you how often and this may just happen because I am so hyper aware um, of it. You know, patients will come in with side effects from Ozempic, um, GI stuff, you know, going on. And um, I don't go a shift without seeing this. Like the, this is how oh, wow. common yeah. it now for, for us to be seeing this. But, you know, I'll sit down and actually have conversations with, with women. And a lot of them will say, well, you know, my doctor really just told me I kind of had to go on this and I don't really want to. And I have some concerns, but I didn't feel like I could say no. Or I had one say, well, my family doctor referred me to this weight loss clinic and I had to wait so long. And, you know, I didn't want to disappoint him by, by not, right? And like a lot of this sort of um, dialogue going on. And when you consider the harms that we might be causing by, by prescribing this this medication like there's there's no informed consent there's no shared decision making um you know going on there and that's on us as providers to to make sure that's happening yeah yeah that's a whole that's a whole other podcast right to talk oh, no. about you talk about that all the time but yeah yeah it's a whole it's a whole other podcast for sure well you know it's, it's it's funny as i've been meaning to do a podcast just you know myself on on this topic um to just be quite frank about what what my opinions are and i don't quite have the courage um to um to to get there yet um you know hearing some criticism from from colleagues and stuff but i fully intend to do it i fully intend yeah. to do it. i think it needs to be said yeah one step at a time and and just to be you know i think when we meet with clients that are on weight loss medications like it's not like a shaming or why are you doing that it's like okay like how do we help you eat more how do we help you poop because you're not going to the bathroom or you're only eating 400 calories a day or how do we help manage the symptoms of nausea it's like you know, and also giving informed consent, but also like, okay, like, let's, let's help you because a lot of times people don't realize it was going to be that bad. And we had a lot of people who have taken them and the symptoms have so been so bad that they're like, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. Right. So it's uh, definitely a new, it's a new frontier for sure. I think it, it's going to be interesting, I think, to see how things evolve over the next few years, because historically, if you look at, you know, the effect of these, you know, so-called miracle weight loss drugs that have come on to the market over the decades, they they haven't they haven't been what they've promised. And and I think I think it just goes to show still how strong the messages of diet culture are um, when you look at just how desperate people are to get their hands on on this, this medication and, um, it's heartbreaking. And at the same time, I get it right. Like it's heartbreaking. And I understand because we've been sold this kind of belief that, you know, a smaller body is a healthier body is a better body is a worthier body. Yeah. That is what's heartbreaking to me. Yes, exactly. That is that there are so many women who feel this way about themselves. That is what's so sad. It was almost easier to, you know, be back in my weight loss days, oblivious, you know, to, 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 to all of this. It's, it's hard. I say that all the time. One, it's like, you know, once you like see the, the man behind the curtain, like in Oz, right? Like once you right? see it, you can't unsee it. You, and so you can't unsee it. No, you can't, you can't. I know. I know. And like my clients say that too. And they're like, I can't watch TV now without getting all pissed off. You know? And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know what's happening now because when you're in it, you don't recognize it. And it just is, we take it for face, like you said, face value. And, um, there is blissful ignorance, um, in that. And then once you kind of see where things diet culture pops up or how it shows up, you're like, oh, man, this is all ruined, you know, so. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's yeah. also fascinating watching my young niece and nephew um, talk about stuff. I have a nine-year-old nephew who was talking about one of his classmates counting calories. And I'm like, why do you even know what a calorie is? at nine years old never mind how many you're supposed to be eating <laughs> this is this is dangerous Ooh, it's oh, a whole, oh yeah it starts very very i have an 11 year old son and so i kind of hear i mean 
they're talking about it, right? It's on, like they're watching social media. And so this stuff is on social media and it's starting younger and younger, right? And so um, it's it's scary for sure. And and also the nutrition education that's given in school is kind of like what I learned as a dietitian and that just kind of led me to disordered eating. So it's no wonder that, you know, like disordered eating is on the right. Yeah. It's funny. There is a, a group of therapists in my city where I live that I refer clients too, when, when things are sort of out of, out of my scope. Uh, And it's a, it's a, it's a a group of psychologists that um, eat, deal with eating disorders um, as part of, of, of what they offer. And so they actually had a dietitian on staff um, for a period of time um, and not understanding a lot of the nuances that we've really been talking about here and what they learned through the experiences of their clients was that they would do so much work around relationship with food and and their eating in therapy sessions, and then the dietitian would undo a lot. Oh, by oh, by wow. kind of reinforcing some of the the older behaviors. Um, and so they sent me an email um, a couple of months ago now, saying, you know, we don't work with that dietitian anymore, but we found this other group, and you know, they're weight inclusive and have a health at every size mm-hmm. approach, mm-hmm. and I think wow. that you should meet them. And so. Yeah. You know, there, there, there is a growing network, I think, of of professionals who are educating themselves on this and and starting to understand um, that there is a whole other way to to approach this issue. So maybe over time that the tides will change. Hopefully, fingers crossed, and fingers and toes crossed. Fingers and toes crossed, absolutely. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for joining me today. This was such an amazing conversation, and I'm certain listeners are going to um, pick out so many nuggets of gold from the conversation we had together today. Um, but if anyone would like to learn more about you and the services that you offer, where can where can they find you? Yeah, sure. So um, my group practice website is Happy Valley Nutrition. Uh, We're located in Massachusetts. We accept most insurances and uh, we do work with people in other states. It just kind of depends on your state. Um, But Happy Valley Nutrition and we're on Instagram at Happy Valley Nutrition. And then my other um, kind of side hustle is a bitchin' body image RD. Um, And that's, you can find me at Instagram at Bitchin' Body Image rd perfect to find me yeah and thank you so much this was such a great it's so wonderful connecting with other humans that do this work and share similar you know thoughts and have been through their own journey and are so open and honest i just want to thank you for your vulnerability because it gives it gives permission to others to work it out and figure it out i just think yeah thank you thank you so much i appreciate everything you've done thank you i appreciate that Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you. 